from the scriptures there are <clears throat> 40 main meditation objects that we can use to develop one-pointedness of mind, samadhi. Reflects the fact that there are many different characters amongst people who meditate. We're not all the same. We have different karma, different jaritas. Some lopa jarita, more towards leaning more towards greed, sensuality. Some are more dosa jarita, leaning more towards aversion, and so on. Our teacher Ajahn Chah wasn't. too strict with new newcomers to the monastery didn't make them do a particular meditation technique generally he would teach anapanasati but also buddhanusati the use of buddhau sometimes together breathing in we recite put breathing out recite dou that was the the most common method of meditation you talk about. But because people come into the monastery with different backgrounds, he said meditators are like fruit in a fruit bowl. Like in the kitchen you have a fruit bowl, you might have apples, oranges, bananas, mangoes, many different kinds of fruit, and they're all fruit. And they're all in the fruit bowl, but each one is different. Some people have different history with meditation. Some have done anapanasati, some have done what you might call straight insight meditation techniques. Some, the Brahmaviharas and so on. The important thing is to be sincere in putting effort into developing mindfulness on the object when you practice meditation. Practice of marananusati, contemplation or recollection of death, is a very useful practice, particularly because it prepares the mind for the development of wisdom. It's still defined as a samatha technique, recollecting the perception of death over and over again. So it will give you uh, the sanya, the perception of death as a result. And the mind develops mindfulness by focusing on that. There's not yet what you'd call true vipassana meditation. But when you recollect death, your 
obviously bringing up the perception of impermanence at the same time. Sometimes the recollection of death, you contemplating what you look like, so it also can lead straight on to a super bhavana, the image of corpses and so on, but particularly the impermanence of of life itself, of this body, our possessions, the people we know and are attached to. When you contemplate death, you're contemplating the finality of everything. You will separate from everything that you love and like. That's for certain. Death is certain. The aging of the body is certain. The death of the body is certain. So it's a very skillful technique for cutting out proliferation. Proliferation about trivial things, proliferation about the future, and can also help help us to let go of anger, aversion. So if you're contemplating death, you will die. If you have aversion to another person, well, they're going to die just the same as you. Why have aggression or aversion to someone else? They're going to die anyway. You're going to die anyway. Or you might contemplate, if this was the moment of my death, would I want aversion in the mind at this moment? Similarly with thoughts based in sensuality. We live in a sensual realm. We call the Gama Loka, Gama Bawa. We receive sense objects through our five external senses in the mind. We're used to it, we're familiar with the sense objects. And literally we delight in sense objects. Even unpleasant ones, because we attach to them, as long as there's a lack of mindfulness and insight, we still delight even in unpleasant ones. It's the nature of this realm. So the mind is constantly preoccupied with sight, sound, taste, smell, touch, wanting more of them, wanting to hold on to them, proliferating around them. And then you bring up the contemplation of death, well it cuts through that as well. So it can be a very skillful recollection to really cut through the chatter of the mind. Many of our desires, proliferations, can drop away the more you focus on the perception of death. Whatever meditation object we use, the recollection of death, recollecting the in and out breath, probably the number one obstacle over time you'll see is basically it's the experience of dukkha vetana that starts to arise as we sit or as we walk, if we're walking meditation. As each posture we hold <clears throat> over time starts to bring dukkha vetana. And with that become, the mind becomes weak, mindfulness is challenged and tends to weaken 
and then more mental proliferation, restlessness, agitation comes, or just seeking distraction to get away from the dukkha vaitana. So this is where, as bhikkhus and trainees living in a monastery, we can really deepen our practice. If you want to talk about progress, well, it's one area you can make progress is by developing more patience, forbearance towards the dukkha vaitana that might come up as you meditate, whether it's collected vaitana from working and doing things for a day so you feel tired or you've got aches and pains or the direct vaitana that arises as you sit in your knees or your back. <coughs> it's our challenge, to a, a challenge, how to maintain mindfulness as vaitana arises and not move to distraction. our habit to escape from dukkha waiting or seek to escape from it through distraction. Even sleepiness can be a form of escape from dukkha waiting. But our aim is to maintain mindfulness so that we can gradually establish the clarity between the mind and the waiting or the knowing of mindfulness and then the waiting itself and start to apply insight from establishing mindfulness and developing some samadhi, then we can develop the insight that Vaitana is an Icha Dukkha Anatta. This can become a whole practice in itself, being aware of how we are conditioned by the Vaitana that comes up as we sit, as we walk, at any time, in any posture, become more familiar with this, this conditioning process, how we try to escape from dukkha vaitana in different ways. But most obviously when we're meditating, can see it in a very direct, very clear way. Another way to develop our meditation, if the mind is very restless, is go back to the basic gamatanas we're given when we ordain as a novice or a bhikkhu, the parts of the body, 32 parts, when Yupajaya uh, gives us these objects, gives them in forward and reverse order, anulom, patilom, to get us familiar with using the mind, directing it to contemplate each part and not just the five but the whole 32 parts. So obviously remembering them just like when we chant, learning to visualize them, get a visual memory of them which means sometimes we have to look in the mirror, look at ourselves, look at other people look at books and so on, get a visual memory, but also keeping one's attention on that part of the body as one recollects it. So keeping the hair of the head, keeping the attention at the tip of the head, recollecting the heart, 
recollecting the different organs. Obviously some parts are harder than others. You know, the skin, you might just have to pick one part of the skin in one part of the body. Focus on that, visualize it, keep your attention there. How do you know skin? You can know it through sensations, hot and cold. Different sensations that we feel with the nerves just under the skin. All of this can take up some of that restless energy of the mind, directing it back to itself, back to the body. In the present moment, they compare it to training a monkey or just the, the activities of monkeys in the forest. It's like there's 32 trees. Monkeys, out of their curiosity, will want to run up each tree and explore each tree moving from one to the next. So we can use our restless energy like that, get to you to know each body part, where it is, what it looks like, its function. It's all using sanya, so you'd say it's, in the beginning it's a samatha practice, just using sanya, memory, perception. But they say the <clears throat> monkey over time gets tired of running up each tree and it will pick one tree that it likes more than the others and make its home there. The mind will be like that. Our teachers say if you keep practicing this long enough, sincerely enough, sooner or later one part of the mind, a uh, part of the body will become clearer to the mind and it's, we become more content to stick with that one part. If it becomes really re one-pointed, then you get uh, a nimitta, ugaha nimitta, patipaka nimitta, just that one part, and the mind can hold its attention, see it very clearly. But even if nimittas don't arise, you know, Jen Charles said, it doesn't matter, you, all you, your aim is to become familiar with the body and then contemplate that this, all these parts of the body are an each dukkha anatta. The aim is to get the mind to accept that because it's truth and the mind tends to always run away from truth. It still thinks that the happiness of sense objects, the different experiences of the world are where true happiness lies and contemplation of the body seems like something difficult, even repulsive, boring. The mind is not normally seeking happiness in this. But if you train in mindfulness, you start to teach the mind that these body parts are impermanent. They're changing. They are repulsive. They're not beautiful in themselves. Or at least they have that repulsive side. And they're not self, they don't last, they will degenerate, disintegrate for sure. They will disappear, just as all the millions of people who have been born in the world over hundreds and hundreds of years, they've all disappeared, those bodies have all been born, grown up, died, disappeared, gone back to the elements. 
You're just teaching the mind to accept this truth. The parts of the body are impermanent. What is impermanent is dukkha. What is dukkha is not self. If you can see it in one spot, well, the rest of the body is, is revealed because it's going to have the same characteristic. Whether it's a hair on the head, the skin, the liver, the bone, the blood, the urine, whatever. It's all anicca dukkha anatta. And we're making that reflection clear to the mind so it accepts it. And accepting it means the mind becomes equanimous towards the body. Can accept the inevitability of death, can accept the likelihood of illness, injury, aches and pains, hunger, thirst, tiredness. No longer reacts with aversion to all of these things, just accepts this is the way a human body is. So it's a peace. And obviously we apply that out to everything we're involved with just in daily life. You know, we do a building project, you make concrete, a concrete road, concrete path. As you do it, you can contemplate. As soon as that concrete has set, we call it brand new, but as soon as it's manufactured, produced, it starts to react with the world around it, the air, the rain, the elements, the sun, the chemicals in the ground. And so the process of degeneration begins straight away. Even though we call it new, it's already old and already degenerating. Buildings, trees, whatever we're involved with, people, possessions, property, it's all an anatta. So we're getting the mind to recognize that, the perception, develop the perception of anicca, dukkha, anatta and the supa till it starts to really accept it and become equanimous towards these things. And we still have our wisdom, it's not that we just give up on life, but equanimity is coolness of calmness of mind freedom from greed, anger and delusion which is you know, the cause of all our suffering you see the more we, we reflect on that the way our delusions come from from our false perceptions about the world the things of the world ourselves other people and the things of the world these false perceptions you know, cause us so much trouble they're the source of our attraction and aversion all our attachment dhanha, upadana the more you investigate even just one one aspect of your own body or one aspect of the world around you and you see it in that then you start to see it in everything <coughs> how we build up false assumptions in the conventional reality of the world constantly tricks us and deludes us in, and causes us suffering. As we add on our own attachments to everything, I like this, I want this, this is good, this will make me happy, I don't want that, 
that's bad, I don't like that. This will make me unhappy. In all our experiences, process is going on. If we start to develop mindfulness and contemplate in this way, then you can cut through it using wisdom. You can change the way the mind looks at the world and find more peace even though the world around may be in turmoil. You can see how perceptions constantly forming around our experience. In the hall we're in now, when there's a festival day, it's packed. We say, oh, very noisy, lots of people. Then on another day, you might be the only person in the hall meditating or walking around. Same hall, same set of con uh, four elements made into a hall, but the perception changes according to conditions. We say it's a big hall when it's empty of people. We say it's a small hall when it's full of people. This is the mind constantly proliferating based on its its perceptions and feelings giving rise to craving and attachment Ajahn Chah said anyone can practice this just learning to contemplate bringing the mind back to this place of balance in the middle even if we haven't developed deep profound states of samadhi yet we haven't got special levels of insight. Anybody can train themselves to just consider wisely their experience and bring the mind to this place of calm equanimity within, within experience. The more we do that, then the more we appreciate the path as whole, the path of developing wholesome, skillful dhammas in daily life, in the value of dhāna, practice of the Brahma-viharas, keeping of the precepts, following of the Vinaya, the more we can see that all supports the development of meditation, the calm and the insight. When we see it all supports, then the, again the mind is willing to accept the practice of precepts, of dana, of sila, develops right view, understands what is wholesome karma and unwholesome karma. So little by little the mind is accepting the Dhamma, seeing it clearly for itself. Our views and our way of re relating to the world falls in line with the Dhamma. This is what frees us from suffering. So we've got a bit of time left, we can uh, Carry on meditating quietly. <laughs> 